um, just overall not a good person. Yep. Um, giving in device. Uh, can you say conking his hair? I don't know. Can you use that as a as a verb? You can't. No, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Anyway. Hello and welcome back to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today we finally watched Malcolm X. So you've never seen this before. Yeah, generally. Yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> I Well, I've never seen this before. Usually one of us has seen this. But you talk about it like, oh, yes, I'm such a spikely connoisseur. I've watched them all. Never said that. In fact, in the last episode, I said quite the opposite. There was a lot of stuff I'd never heard of. It's the attitude. That I have? Yes. The general air of superiority? Of course. So, um, you know, watching this, I don't know if it's just because this is a pretty accurate movie and I've, you know, heard about Malcolm X, you know, throughout my life, or I was realizing that in the movie Ali with Will Smith that... Like, there's a huge portion of it. Not huge. It feels huge. But I think they cover, like, the death of Malcolm X because I think Ali was kind of fighting with him at the time because Malcolm was leaving the Nation of Islam. And Ali was kind of still strong with the Nation of Islam. Like, he was he was part of the group, um, which is funny because I think Malcolm brought him in. I don't know. We'll do Ali one day. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but I'd love to do Ali, actually. I've been... Uh... Yeah, I, every time I see the poster or the mention, I was like, oh, we got to do that. Yeah, it's got a 4K hopefully coming. So there was a lot of like towards the end of this, like the, you know, his wife complaining about how everyone's getting rich off of this, but he isn't. Um, the the plot to kill him, sort of that stuff at the end that I, I was like, I'm, this is very like, it's historical. So obviously that's why I should know it. Um, but there was a lot of this that just, yeah, I... I did not know it, it's a coming away from this movie. It's obviously just like a, a cradle to grave biopic, which kind of kind of it starts like in uh, his like early 20s. It's not like, oh, when he was a baby boy, they show him as a boy in flashbacks in flashbacks. Sure. Yeah, I guess. you're okay, right. Yeah. I guess you're right. They don't yeah. have to be exactly chronological to be cradle to grave. I want to see him coming out of his mother's vagina. Okay. Yeah, I bet you do. So <laughs> this movie, I, I got to say, this movie gets better as it goes along. And oh, I, I 100% agree. For me, the movie elevated when he was in jail. Yes. I all the rest of it. I think in order to paint like an accurate portrayal of the man, that beginning stuff is stuff I never knew. So it's very yeah. Yeah. interesting to see, but also not what I wanted. Um, what What do you mean by that? Not what you wanted? Like you just wanted the Malcolm X stuff. You didn't want the red and the Malcolm little stuff. Right. Yeah. I wanted it to start when he was in jail. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like, cause that's like the first hour and I feel like you could have cut that to 15 minutes and yeah, still but gotten if, the point across. But, but if you're Spike Lee and you're making a Malcolm X movie and you have Denzel Washington in it and the studio is like, this can be three and a half hours long, 
you're you're gonna take the three and a half hours. So apparently that's not what the studio said. The studio um said this needs to be a two hour movie. Oh. And uh Oliver Stone was doing JFK at the same time, and I guess also with the WB. And Spike said, Well, how how much time are you giving Oliver on JFK? And they're like, he's making a two hour movie. And he calls Oliver Stone up because he was friends with him. He's like, How long is your movie? And he's like, It's gonna be over three hours. You cannot tell the studio I told you that. So he's like, All right, well, we're gonna be is movie's gonna be over three hours. I'm I'm wondering if like the original script, he's like, Yeah, it starts in jail. And then he hears about that from Oliver Stone. He's like, Oh, back to the beginning uh no i I doubt that i mean so this is based off i think the autobiography of malcolm x and obviously that's going to be a cradle to grave rendition oh probably not to grave if it was autobiography um it's actually like never a book i would probably surprise you to know i was never interested in reading but after watching this i think it would be interesting to read um I, I just think the beginning of this is just, I don't know, it's it's important, but I don't find it that interesting. I like, I'll tell you what I really like about the beginning of this, is the payoff in the, like, end. Not the very end, but, like, mid to end. So they set up a lot of things in the first hour, hour 20, that um, parallel each other in the last two um, two hours. Um, I just want to say I su- <laughs> probably a surprise to no one uh, realized after watching this, I know knew very little about Malcolm X. I think the only time that I was introduced to Malcolm X was I'm pretty sure Fresh Prince of Bel-Air did a uh, <laughs> did an episode on it. And um, that's that was my takeaway. That, that And it wasn't much. But anyway, so. The beginning of it, it sets up this like um, uh, power dynamic between uh, Red, which is Malcolm X's nickname at the time because of his red hair, which I had to look up because it um, and we'll we'll start this in the beginning of it. But I knew he he um, straightened his hair. But throughout, I was like, where is he getting the bleach to like get that red color? Apparently, Malcolm X is a natural redhead because um of his like Scottish descent. And that's where he got his red hair. Right. But what I really liked about it is that the power dynamic of him being set up, um, against the, the gangster betting guy. I forget his name. You know, his name. What's his name? Elijah Muhammad. No, no, no. The, the betting guy, the gangster guy, West Indian, Charlie. Yes. West Indian, Charlie. Delroy there's, Lindo. There's this uh there's a shot where he goes into the bar right after he like smashes the bottle on that guy and um who scuffed his shoes and Westinny and Charlie calls him over and he has these like two bodyguards with him right at his table. And um Malcolm goes over kind of like you know this like obvious power dynamic. He Malcolm holds no power in this situation. It parallels to another scene later on where he's doing the same thing. He's sitting in a like, I think it's a diner. And this is after the rally for the hospital for the guy who was sent to the hospital. Um, He's sitting there with two guys and Benjamin walks in. And it's like it's a parallel of the same power dynamic. But now Malcolm X holds the power. And I think that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also just. 
I felt like Spike's like, I need a I need a spot in this movie. So shorty, that <laughs> seems like my my in. I was well, curious, yeah. like in the beginning, like how much he was going to be in the movie. And it was just like the beginning, obviously. But so this I mean, this movie is the whole point of this movie is to give you a full picture of the life and death of Malcolm X. And so in doing that, you obviously have to do the early years, right? You have to show when he was kind of a gangster, when he was running numbers, when he was cavorting with white women, when he was um, just overall not a good person, um, giving in to vice. Can you say conking his hair? I don't know. Can you use that as a as a verb? You can't. No, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's anyway. Just I mean. It really like, as I said, it's it's very interesting to get that part of it because as like someone just going through a random history class, even if you learned about Malcolm X in that class, you're probably not going to learn about that part of him. Yeah. So I did find it sort of like sort of fascinating, but at the same time, it was like, I kind of want to get to the rest of it. Um but like, I mean, there's a, I think we should just start, you know, there's a ton of interesting stuff in here. So when he first, he first gets his hair done, uh, by Spike Lee and then they go to that dance and he, he has this woman who he's like kind of, she won't give it up. So he finds, uh, you know, a woman she, that will, she, uh, she a church girl. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, he kind of is living with her and he, you know, he sort of comes out and says, he's like, so when are you just going to accuse me of raping you? You know, when is that going to happen? Oh, you're like, talking about the you're talking about Sophia, the white woman, right? I was yeah, I yeah. was talking about the black girl that he was seeing before. No, no I understand. I moved, I moved on. If you've seen the movie, you know who I'm talking about. So I, I like I found that part interesting. One, his like distrust, but then two, also, he's just like, I don't know, giving into what later in the movie he would see as like temptation. Right. Once he goes to prison. Um, it, it's interesting how they play the power dynamics of that too. Also, I never needed to see um, that intimately of Denzel Washington's feet. <laughs> did you? Were you? Did you like him? Was that? No, were they no. too much? Did it bring I, up uh, feelings in you that were repressed? It was uncomfortable. Uh, my feelings. <laughs> um, was it because he made a white woman do it? Is that why you were uncomfortable? I think it is because he made a woman do it. <laughs> Yeah, it was. No, I mean, it's purposely uncomfortable, right? It's purposely like sort of treating her like a dog. It's not even like he's like, hey, miss, I'm into feet play. <laughs> miss it's like it. Yeah, it like, wasn't feed me my eggs. I have this very mean look on my face. Kiss my feet. Let me show you that you're, subs- you know, show me that you're subservient. And then he mentions like, oh, man, only if your parents could see you now, which is like just it's like you said, it's not a fetish. It's a it's a power He's degrading power. her. Right. He's yeah. seeing how like, you know, how much he can. Um, and then we get a lot of flashbacks. I, I think he's um, he's like, first of all, I didn't even know he's like making out with uh, the black woman from earlier on the beach. And she's like, she's ready to to have sex with him. He's like, no, 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 I can't do that to you. That's not what you want. And then he starts talking about his background. And I think earlier there had been like this scene that I, there's so many like scenes flashing in and out, but it was basically that we saw how his father was killed. Right. And, you know, yeah. his mom's talking to the insurance adjuster and the insurance adjuster's like, oh, he killed himself. She's like, he took a hammer to the back of his head and threw himself in front of a train. 
Um, and then we see how he was like taken away from his mom because it was just her and she couldn't, you know, care for all of them. And I think we even see a quick flash of like she was put in some sort of asylum after that. Yeah, it's um, kind of vague on what happens there, but that's pretty much the gist of it. And he's separated by all of his siblings, too, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so then he goes to the school and he does really well. And there's this one scene with this guy who he's like, you know, I want to be a lawyer when he grows up. He's like, oh, you know, what about a carpenter? I heard your dad was a carpenter. That's a great profession for black person. He doesn't say black person. He says something different. Um, did you recognize that guy? Oh, no. The only other thing I've seen him in is a movie that you say that you've done that you've watched, but I don't think you have. And so I feel like we can do it on the pod. He was the guy in Commando who he's like, you said you'd kill me last. <laughs> oh, is he that guy? Really? He's that guy. Um, um, I've seen Commando. I don't know that you have. Mm. Um, and then With, uh, he... Sylvester Stallone, right? Yeah. So and then I think he moves to New York and you know he it's it's interesting in this movie too everything in the beginning is juxtaposed with what he becomes right his hair his suits especially because when you think of malcolm x you think of a very simple black suit black tie white shirt yeah and he in new york he's like first of all the like the train ride to new york where you like they're listening to the joe lewis fight and then when he meets West Indian Archie, I think I said Charlie earlier, West Indian Archie. And um, he's wearing this very flashy red suit. And I just think that, you know, it's obviously purposeful. Um, apparently the story where he hits the dude with the bottle is based on like a real event. Like a lot of this movie is supposed to be very, very accurate. And, I like um, the, um, the black and white shots of like famous um, actual like shots of Malcolm X. And then it's like, reenacted in the movie but in black and white because that's the photography they had back then i like that i like that detail about it but also can you explain to me about the walking down the street with shorty and malcolm in those suits like the way they walked i felt like it was almost about to break into song it was like west side story yeah i don't know i don't know if people walked like that um everyone seemed impressed like people around him seemed very impressed well then they did the whole like cops and robbers thing in the park there and he's like i'm tired of being the tired of being the cop i'll tell you what that was such a good detail um because it took me off guard every time there was a real gunshot in this movie um to foley like you know fake gunshots i was just like obviously it's it's um what do you call it when it's leading up to something like plants the seed in the oh my god foreshadowing foreshadowing thank you um obviously it's foreshadowing what happens to him later on in life but those gunshots come in so randomly um, and sparse in the in the movie. It alarms me every time, which I think is its purpose. I agree. I agree. Um, the Delroy subplot moves the story along, but it is like of such little importance in the movie. They give too much like little details about it that I'm just like, you could get them to jail in a faster way. Yeah, so, honestly, you could just, yeah, you don't need him to go to New York. Um, It's it's, it's entertaining stuff, right? So, like, Delroy's like, hey, you never write any numbers down. He starts running numbers for him. He starts doing coke, and then he gets into a confrontation with West Indian 
Archie because he gives him some numbers that he wants him to run. And then Archie says the next day, you never did that, which we heard him do that. And obviously it's coming from the autobiography. So it's like, you know, this even to later in life, he's like, no, I said those numbers. I know I said those numbers. (laughs) I like how in the, in the movie he didn't like when he, meets him back up like 20 years later he has no point to prove he's like i don't i don't i don't even remember but then like the real malcolm x writing the biography he's like yeah i fucking remember this <laughs> i said those exact numbers um but so he gets into it with him and they basically corner him in a club and like we're gonna take you outside and kill you because you're lying and then he has to get out of there and so he runs um back to Boston Sophia with Sophia and Shorty again. You're like, oh, he's back with the gang. And then they run into the guy that plays Smiley from Do the Right Thing. Yep. And they start casing joints, and they get caught very quickly. I did think it was kind of interesting. There's I a thought, scene where he... I thought Smiley turned on them. I thought that's how they got caught. Uh, probably. I mean, probably. He's the one who... he. We didn't see him go to jail, so I would guess so. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought it was interesting, the scene where he's like getting his hair done again. And, you know, the first time it like burns him within a couple of seconds. And then this time he's just walking around with it like, oh, it's fine. And you're like, it's kind of to show, you know, his growth. But then it's on for so long. The water's out that he starts to freak out. And he has to put his head in the toilet. Get your head out of that shitter. Yeah, that's that. said it a little differently, too. Um And so then they go to prison in 46. And he's like, you know, the narration of. You know, it's our first offense. So should we we should get two years? And he's like, but we were actually arrested for sleep with white women, and so they get eight to ten. I like how it was showing like fourteen counts of robbery, but it was like that was like stupid. Um, but then they served eight to ten for each count, and Shorty faints because he thinks it's going to be served like consecutively. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The most of the time, the court doesn't really do that unless they want to just send you away for longer and then they can and they will i mean they could they could have um but they do whatever they want (laughs) um so now an hour and like 19 minutes in we uh we finally get malcolm in prison right it's jail prison 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 so he's serving out his eight to ten and uh I, I like how he's always like a hustler, right? Like he's always, he goes to a new town, he goes to a new setting and he tries to find the one up. Like he's like, I got to find the most powerful guy in this joint and I have to befriend him, get close to him and then become the most powerful guy, right? He did that with the West Indy and he, he finds this like, uh, I forget his name, but he's like the preacher guy. And he tries to kind of like, uh, get you know, get close to him. Do the do, run the hustle, and the preacher's guy's like, "Don't run, no hustle with me." Yeah, Baines, Baines. That's right. And so, um, this is where he like he turns religious. It is, yeah. By the way, do you recognize Baines from anything? He he's recognizable, but I can't. Pinpoint. Did you ever see Rookie of the Year? Do do you think I've seen Rookie of the Year? I know you don't like sports, but I mean, it's a it's a children's movie that I've like... seen Angels in the Outfield. I've seen Moneyball, and I've seen 
Friday Night Lights. And that's pretty much it. Oh, Remember the Titans. You've seen Remember the Titans? Damn. I want to do Remember the Titans. Oh, well. I mean, yeah, maybe we could. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Anyway, yeah, so Baines is the uh, manager from Rookie of the Year. Rowan Gardner. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the stuff in prison is pretty great. Like the slow Baines slowly turning him to his point of view, converting him to Islam. Um, it's all really good stuff. And then, you know, he's like, hey, you have to give up pork. You have to give up this, this, this. He's like, I can do all that. And he's like, and you have to pray. And he's like, I am. I can't do that. Um, I thought he had the difficulty with the white woman. <laughs> I think he had given up on that. That had gotten him into trouble already. Um, and so then we, you know, he receives a letter from Elijah Muhammad and he imagines him in the cell. And I guess Elijah Muhammad just has that voice. And so, so I text you when that was playing and I was like, well, first of all, I was like, it, did he imagine the letter too? Like, why is this prophet so-called prophet like writing a letter to him? But I guess Baines is already out of jail at that point, And he's like, He's pointing him in the direction of Elijah Muhammad. Um, but when that voiceover was starting with his voice, I was just like, well, this can't be his real voice. This is someone like this is a smiley thing going on right now. Right. Yeah. But I think it I think it has to be probably because uh, he keeps it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and then Malcolm gets out of jail. And I think. From this point, this is like, I guess this is something with my ignorance of like I didn't realize that I think the movie does a great job of like Malcolm wasn't the guy right he became a sort of the public facing person of the movement because Elijah Muhammad sort of took a backseat maybe because of his voice he didn't want to talk that much um but he really in every speech was Elijah Muhammad says Elijah Muhammad says he teaches us he teaches us he teaches he was never it's funny how the movie turns when, um, you know, it's they think, oh, he's getting too big. Baines is like this guy, which I guess Baines is just an amalgamation. He's not a real person. Oh. But, you know, he's getting too big. We have to sort of put a stop to this. And then, you know, at one point, without him even seeming to have turned on Elijah Muhammad yet, he's like, oh, hey, yeah, they told me to put a bomb in your car, but I can't do that. Um, so it oh, is the, the Benjamin guy. Yeah, it is it is interesting how he was sort of driven away in the in the movie, in the movie's interpretation of it, right? So um it's always funny, like you're worried about someone turning on you and then you start to act in a way that turns them against you. Like your actions of being worried cause what you were worried about. I thought it was a brilliant play by him. By the way, I for the for the majority of the movie even though he like gave his life to Islam and seemingly, you know, was like, yeah, I'm this guy now. I'm not, I'm not red. I'm not Malcolm little. I'm Malcolm X now. Right. Um, it took me a while to be like, is he still conning? Like, is he still like, this is the best way for him to like survive and like do well in this. And then I think, I think Shorty show like Shorty's showing back up and he's like, yo, man, let's like snort coke and, you know, fuck <laughs> not each other. But you know what I mean? And then uh, Malcolm X is like, no, man, I don't do that anymore. And then Shorty's like, oh, 
you really don't do that anymore. I think that for me was like, oh, he actually he's actually like this now. He's not just like maybe maybe for a time he was like, oh, I'm just going to con. And then he just fell into it. Yeah. So he gets out. He meets Elijah Muhammad. He starts crying. And then he immediately starts preaching on the street, trying to open temples in New York, across the world or across the United States, I mean. And they're doing some preaching outside. And it's I actually really cool camera work where they show him preaching. Then they go to another guy preaching and then another guy, like all sort of in this yeah. circle. And it passed one of the guys. was like, was that Al Sharpton? And it was Al Sharpton just playing a speaker. It wasn't like a specific party. He wasn't playing himself. It was just speaker number two. Um, and then it's sort of like from this point on in the movie. And being how long the movie is, it packs so much in, but a lot of it is just the speeches, which you would think like, oh, that's kind of lazy or whatever. But when you think of Malcolm X, when you think of Martin Luther King too, yeah, a lot of what you think of are the speeches. Yeah. So like, it makes sense to have that in there. And honestly, it just worked. Like every time, first of all, you have someone like Malcolm X who could speak so well, who spoke so much. And then you have Denzel playing him. It's like, why the fuck not? Why would you not have the speeches? So yeah. I like, I don't know. That part really worked for me. From him getting out of jail to then, especially when he becomes, when Elijah Muhammad's like, you're now my minister. You're like my public facing guy. From there on, I'm just like, yeah, this movie's great. And it just keeps building and building and building until the end is just, I'm getting ahead of myself and that's fine because I don't, it's really hard to just talk about this movie in general as like, because it's a lot happens, but it's also just like very kind of slowly paced. It's paced very well too, all over the place, but (laughs) it's not a lot. It's just like a story of this man's life. And it's a pretty simple one of like, he was a gangster, kind of a pimp guy. He turned to religion. He gave his devoted his life completely to this until he realized the person he had devoted his life to had sort of turned his back on the beliefs. And he had also come to realize like, maybe I was a little too militant in some of my thinking, which we'll talk about. And then this sort of the end and then the actual end of his life. Um, But I just like the takeaway for me for this is just like, how fucking great Denzel was in this, I think is what like a point I really want to talk about is like, I, I, without him, I just don't think this movie works. So I was talking to you earlier about how like there's other African-American actors that would probably look more like Malcolm X. Um, but you couldn't have not just the star power, but the talent to bring such a huge character to life, a huge historical character to life. And you, you, uh, I don't know. I don't know any big, black actors back then but denzel is definitely the one to pick you know yeah and he wasn't even when did denzel become denzel to you what movie was it man on fire see for me i think it was remember the titans oh yeah i mean yeah that's a good one too just for our age right because i mean 92 you know he'd obviously inside man maybe i don't know what inside man is later on right I think Man on Fire was 05. I think Inside Man's 2006. Remember the Titans is like 2000, 2001. 
that area, 2002 maybe. Um, Training day is probably – we were too young for that, but that's probably when Denzel became Denzel for a lot of other people. Yeah, 99. Well, I saw Training Day either in theaters or like right after. So, yeah, that too. Um, let's get back to it because that was a bit of a tangent. The entire movie, I had been waiting for this one line because – I'm a big fan of Robin Hood Men in Tights. And in Robin Hood Men in Tights, Dave Chappelle says the lie. I think it's from Tim said we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. And so yeah. the entire movie of like uh, DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood waiting for it. Just like like, <laughs> like whistling at the TV. Like there it is. Yeah. I can't whistle anyway. Oh, yeah, I can't whistle. Period. Wow. So. I was very happy that that happened. And then that's when Shorty shows back up and he's like, you know, I've been clean for eight years. And then Shorty's like, I love pig's feet and white women too much. Um, And then at the same time, this is when Malcolm goes to Archie. And yeah, it's been at least a decade. And he had sent Archie a letter when he converted like, hey, probably a letter of like, I forgive you and I want to make up and da 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 da. And I, you know, apologize for what I did. And he goes to Archie and Archie's like, First of all, Archie's right and left-hand man are both dead. They died from drug overdoses and other things. And uh, Archie does not look in the best of spirits. <laughs> and like no. you said earlier, it's just like, you know, I don't, we don't care about any of that. Um, we're just, you know, I'm just here. And, it, you know, I don't... It ties a bow on the Archie story. But once again, that story, I just... I don't know what it's there for. I think it's just to draw parallels that he was the one always being like the chaser, right? Like he's chasing power and now he is in the position of power. I think that's best represented when he goes to the hospital and the police guy was the police chief is like, no man should have that much power. Yeah. Said it's it, fucking Raymond's dad. Everybody loves Raymond's dad. Yeah. Uh, Peter yeah. Boyle, who was also in taxi driver that we did. I thought he was going to come up. Uh, I thought he was going to come up later. But he never did. That was his like one one thing. So the next thing um, we have the scene where he's walking by the the hookers, and then we see Laura from earlier. I don't know if you remember her, but he was like, oh, "What's her deal?" And she's like, "Yeah, he's she's that strung out guy. He's probably gonna make her turn tricks soon." And then we see later on she's turning tricks. Um, I, I don't remember that, but that's okay. it's such a small part. And as I'm talking about it, I was like, I don't know why that's in there. Um, it probably it almost feels like in a lot of ways he's like this is in the book I have to kind of fit some of this stuff in there, but I think the next important part to me is when he meets Angela Bassett, and he yeah. goes to to lunch with her and he's like oh you know we got to be careful around women, uh and it, you know we start that's interspliced with Elijah Muhammad giving him like you know if a woman <laughs> if a woman is the right complexion if she's the right height compared to her husband if she's half his age plus seven which i was like i should do the math on some of those like that's 22 for me oh all right well tell taylor to get out um (laughs) and then you like you think he's kind of pushing her aside that he's like they go get ice cream and then this turns into probably my favorite scene so far in the movie when they come in like brother johnson was beaten by the police and you have all these people crowd around malcolm like what are you gonna do Muslims always talk shit. They never do anything. What are you going to do about this? And right. he goes into the police station, tells them what he wants, says, tells them to look out the window. The whole nation of Islam in New York is outside that window. Did you also get 
alarmingly terrified when they all turn their heads to the window, to the open window. <laughs> like that's from a horror movie, dude. Right. But yeah, no, it was great. Oh man, and what was also great is that when they start when he started walking from the ice cream shop to the police station, um how people just followed him. Like they didn't know what this march was about. They didn't know why they were doing this. They didn't know what happened. They were just like, "Yo, this is happening and I'm going to join in." And and it's funny too cuz you had like the line of of Muslims who were like under Malcolm X's not control, but like order, right? They knew the way he wagged that finger. They were, yeah, they, they, uh, they knew what was going on. And then you had like the, the mob, the scared mom in the back, right? So, right. Yeah. And then he marches to the hospital. And that's when, uh, you know, the cop shows up who, after he leaves, says, you know, that man has too much power, which I think is an actual line about him, which is also, I think, the purpose of having that in there is that's what the government ended up thinking. And that's what, you know, the nation of Islam thought it's just I like, did, everyone's realizing, Oh, he's become too yeah. big. I did wonder why, uh, the CIA was coming after him in, 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 um, uh, the uh, middle East. Cause that's what the CIA does. They, uh, they go, I mean, I think that was definitely, wasn't that under, um, Hoover, not Hoover. Who's the guy? Um, the guy from the FBI? Yeah, it was that, that was under J. Edgar Hoover, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they were watching Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King. like They were watching all those people that they thought could potentially cause harm to the United States. So yeah, that's just what they did. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, this was, uh, this was after... Well, I, th- I think the movie, the movie also definitely, you know, skipping to the end, the movie definitely is telling, uh, like, from this point of view, and once again, I haven't read into it, that the CIA helped the Nation of Islam kill him. I highly suggested that, of course. And then I think that's, that's like the ongoing theory, right? Like, no one knows who killed JFK. No one knows who killed Malcolm X. Um, well, I think was- they definitely know his members of the nation of islam right like they have i I mean they caught the one guy in the movie i think they like from what i was reading they have um people that they think you know suspects right and so and they know what their ties are but um yeah so after the march to the hospital he just is malcolm x right he's sitting at that diner that one black guy who had said like oh you guys are just all talk comes in it's like i want to follow you and like Malcolm X now has all these bodyguards around him, all these people. And it is like a very stark transition from what we like saw him before this, where he's just like, he's a dude that works for Elijah Muhammad. And then in this scene, in this diner, he's commanding the room. And he is like who we thought he was this whole he, time. He is the guy. Yeah, he's the man. Uh, so, he's the man. Uh, but so the the thing, though, at this point is that he calls him Mr. X, but this is the first time that we're hearing him being referred to as Malcolm X, Mr. X is, is this what the guy's just calling him because he doesn't know his last name? Because at this point he's not really into the religion, right? He hasn't been like accepted into the religion and he doesn't know his name. No, no, no. no, no, no. The other, everyone knows what he calls himself though. I mean, he's called himself Malcolm X since prison, right? When he joined the nation. Yeah, but I think it's one of those things that just like says that he says it later in the movie that when you join the nation, 
you give up your slave name because it was, you know, your slave master's name. Okay. Well, that's fine. So you call him Malcolm X or you call him Mr. X and, um, and then you kind of, kind of, what would you call this? Like a montage? This is like whole part of it is like speeches. him going around, giving speeches, building the temples, getting the, the direction from Elijah, and at the same time, intersplicing that with his relationship with Angela Bassett. Yeah, because at this, at this point, he asks her to marry him. Through payphone. I can't think of a more romantic way. Um, By the way, Angela Bassett. S- I agree. Still got it. Still had it. Definitely had it then. Yeah. So got also it in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout with all the power, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the short hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I was asking um, my wife. I was like, hey, do you think Denzel Washington is attractive? And she was like, oh, not in not in this, not in this movie. And then he comes back from from um, the Middle East with like the goatee. And she's like, oh, wait, no, now, now I see it. Dude, yeah, he looks so fucking young in this. It was it was honestly crazy to see because most of what I've seen from him is like not later in his career, but you know, five, five, ten years after this. So Well, when he first when he first gets introduced in the barbershop at the beginning of this movie, he looks like a little 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 kid. And yeah. then what's so great about this movie too is that it covers like twenty uh, like consecutively with Denzel Washington. I'm not counting the flashbacks because that's a different actor. <laughs> Obviously, Denzel's good. He's not that good. Um, but it covers like twenty years, twenty five years of his life, um, showing Denzel in his twenties to forty five when he dies, and having Denzel like realistically play twenty to forty five and believe it all the way through is so good. I mean, I think it was nominated for best costume. Yes. Yes, at, at the, the time. So, as you said, there's a bunch of speeches. I love the uh, the hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok speech. Yeah, that um, was good. This also shows him very pointedly talking shit about MLK and other leaders, calling them Uncle Tom's. I do have to say something we glossed over, which I thought was really good. Um, in the beginning, when he's in jail with Baines, he shows him the definition of the dictionary between black and white. And that yeah. rundown, I thought was really good. I agree. Um, he also, when he goes on air against basically another black guy, uh, arguing about you know his teachings and arguing with this guy, and he just calls him a house slave. And so, the whole point <laughs> of all these speeches, yeah. these, and you know, the press then tries to catch him in saying something incendiary, which he eventually does when he talks about JFK. One, you know, it's to, to 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 try and bring him down. But two, the movie is showing this to kind of juxtapose once he leaves the Nation of Islam and like his softening, right? Because there's this one point where he's at a at a university and this white girl comes up to him and she's like, you know, what can I do to help? And he's like, absolutely nothing. You just get out of the way. Uh, because this whole time, and it's very similar to what his father taught is like, Black people need to be separated from white people. That's the only thing. It's like we need to be separated and give our own shit and left alone. Um, and so, yeah, that all all of that happens. And then the next sort of jumping off point for the movie is when the guy comes up to him and he's like, so you're just Elijah Muhammad's pimp. He's like, I feel sorry for you that you don't know. And then like they take that guy away. And then we find out that Elijah Muhammad's been sleeping with 
his secretaries. Actually, it turns out in real life might have been way worse than that. <laughs> yeah, probably, reading. probably. But I also like how his wife, um, Angela Bassett, is just like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it, it's almost like that that random guy who says uh, the pimp line it kind of cracks the illusion, the mirror of illusion. Right. And then Angela Bassett absolutely like blows it away where she's like, you know, you're doing all this and this and this. You can even see his cool, calm and collected complexion when he's sitting at his desk and he's writing. And she's like, why do you keep doing this? If you know all this stuff about Elijah Muhammad, and he's like, I got, you know, there's a lot of work to do to be done. And that's not going to stop me from doing the work I need to, I need to do. And then she leaves the room and he like, he hits the desk out of frustration. Cause he's like, well, like what am I supposed to fucking do at this point? Yeah. What's interesting is that, so he, goes to Elijah Muhammad and he has this line about, I must plant my seed in fertile soil, which is like gross. Uh, But he stays with him, even though in the narration, he says, I felt betrayed and shattered. And then right after this is the JFK lines about, you know, chickens come home to roost and, you know, he's perpetuated, the U S has perpetuated violence. And he's then told for 90 days, you're silent. You can't say anything. And this has sort of been a long time coming. You know, he had a talk with Baines about like, you're not using my name. And Baines is like, well, hey, don't you want, do you want some money? And he's like, why? Like, I thought this isn't supposed to be a con. And Baines is like, it's not a con, but you know, we're human. So it's just all of this going down at the same time. And then he says, and then he finds out from that guy, hey, I was supposed to wire your car. And this is when he decides to leave the the nation and open his own mosque. And he's like, and he's, he even says in this part, you know, whites can help, but they can't join us. I, uh, I think this is really smart of him because he's given the 90 day silent treatment and then he leaves the fucking country, but then has his wife read his letters to like the people who, because at this point it's like, he's kind of broken off from the Elijah Muhammad teachings. Right. So it's like, he's holding his own sermons through the letters voiced by his wife. But if you, yeah, notice, but I mean uh, that, that, that 90 days doesn't matter. He left like, he doesn't he doesn't control him when he left. I I guess you're right. But then he could just wait till Elijah Muhammad dies, right? Cuz he was like on his deathbed anyways. Yeah, also saying all this, it's like I don't know the timeline how accurate it all is, right? So um I like when he goes to Mecca. Apparently this is like one of the one of either the only or there's one other non-documentary movie that's been allowed to film in Mecca. Um, we see his followed the whole time, but why we presume is the CIA. I don't know. This they, part they, is... they actually shot this like Denzel's in the country, like the secondary footage. Oh, okay. Okay. I think they went to Egypt. <laughs> Apparently WB wanted them to shoot Egypt in New Jersey. And Spike Lee's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he, he called Oliver and he was like, where are you shooting Egypt for your JFK? He's like, oh, in Egypt. In in Egypt. Um, And then he goes back and he has this press conference and he's like, you know, he's he has sort of discovered he's seen white Muslims and black Muslims working together, praying together. And he's like, you know, it's it's like the change that we see in him. One thing that I noticed in this part of it, and it happens throughout with Denzel Washington and how great the acting is, is like the speeches aren't too polished and when Mm. he's in a press conference answering something he'll start a sentence 
sort of come back and start like a part over. You know what I mean? He's like, he's thinking about his words as if he was really the guy. Yeah. So like, it's kind of perfect. We're now sort of at the end of the movie. Um, he gets his house bombed and he tells the reporters it's the nation of Islam, but Baines denies it. And then we see the assassin's guns getting ready. And I said this before, but I think it's a testament to how great Spike is as a director, to how amazing this movie is, that you can take something that we all know how it ends and just make it so cinematic, so gripping. Um, and I think like having the, you know, the pe- the children at the end say, I am Malcolm X and all that could have been done in a hokey way. And it wasn't, it all worked really well. Um, I don't know. The ending is just fantastic to this. I was really moved about how, like you, like you saying, like we keep saying is how amazing Denzel Washington is in this. Um, but the the moments before the the rally and and he dies, how he almost feels like death is coming. How he's yep. like, if I just run now, I will be able to live. But if I do this, I will die today. And you could see it in his eyes that that's how he felt. Yeah. I mean, I love the music when they're all driving to the the ballroom, right? As it's playing. He's driving. You could see people following him and watching him. You can see his his wife and daughters. I kept thinking about that the whole time, about how his his wife and daughters were coming to watch him die. And then you even have Giancarlo Esposito pick up the doll for his daughter as he's about to go kill her dad. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, you even see her have the doll. And as soon as, you, you know, a doll like enters the fucking movie, you're like, oh, fuck. Tragedy. Tragedy is about to strike. Um, I didn't know how Malcolm X died. I knew he got gunned down. I knew he he, he got murdered. Um, But I didn't know if it was like during beforehand after. So I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was like, oh, this car following him, like pulling up alongside him. Like, are they is it going to die now? Or it's like, oh, is he's going to do the speech and he's fine and it's going to be when he walks out. And um, so I, I didn't know when it was going to happen for me. Yeah. So did you, did you know he dies like in the in, in the beginning at the thing at the event? I told you I saw Ali. They show this in Ali. Oh, they do? Oh, OK. I, I don't know that either. Well, spoiler for Ali. So um then they show like Giancarlo Esposito like almost getting fucking his limbs torn off as they take him out. Dude, brutal, but also, you know. Uh, and then it ends after this with just real life footage, which I thought really works in this case. Because like the movie obviously has to end with his death, but it's like, how do you how do you actually end it after that? And so there's also a speech that's playing over the documentary footage of his life. And it's read by Ozzie Davis who wrote and delivered the eulogy at Malcolm's funeral service in 1965. Ozzie Davis plays the mayor in Do the Right Thing. Wow. So, wow. and I like, you know, there's some lines in there. They will call him evil. They'll call him racist. Did you actually ever listen to what he said? Um, and I, my one complaint, I feel like. Yes, I white almost, man. What is your one complaint? I wanted more. I feel like this could have been like a mini series. I wanted more about his life in the nation, why he left. Um, and his time afterwards, right? Cause he said a lot of incendiary things about like MLK and other people. And it's like, 
you know, how did how did he repair that? He had about a year from when he left the nation to when he was murdered. You know, I wanted more from that time because in the movie we got like 20 minutes. Well, there's like documentaries and stuff about about his life that are out there. I know I had trouble finding um, this movie particularly on uh, for free <laughs> for free on uh, the streaming sites. But I did run into this documentary um, narrated by James Earl Jones. Um, so maybe maybe that gives you more than what you want. I we didn't talk enough about how much um, he was bugged by the CIA, like his phone calls, his hotel rooms, like everything was was bugged and then there's this line and maybe you can elaborate it for me because i didn't quite know what it meant or to the to what extent it meant but the we hear the cia guy going um listening into his call to uh to his wife and he says compared to king this guy's a monk i think i think the point of that so historically i think martin luther king cheated on his wife some i don't know how much oh okay and i think it's put in there because when you think of these two people together you think of martin luther king as a monk and malcolm x is this renegade people called him evil racist like white extremist person right yeah Yeah. um and i think that's just in there to say like the cia being like well actually like and kind of in that speech at the end for his eulogy like did you actually know this guy? Because he actually isn't like that. This guy, you know, loved his wife. Not to say anything bad about MLK, right? MLK, obviously. No, it sounds like you are. Kind of like uh, Elijah okay. Muhammad. You know, his personal foibles should overplay, like, the greatness of the person, right? But yeah, yeah. that's why it's in there, right? Just that's, that's at least what they're referring to. Now, the, the point of why Spike put that in there, I think, is to kind of lift up the good of Malcolm X rather than he's not trying to take down MLK, obviously. Spike, Spike Lee is a very interesting uh, director. I'm finding out, um, you know, cause I've only had like the remake of old boy and inside man to compare him to, but now like seeing like what he thinking that those two are also Spike Lee is kind of funny when you, when you know, do the right thing in Malcolm X are because it yeah. doesn't feel like, it feels like with those two movies, he's trying to make like a, a racial point. He has like a, a message he wants out there. Um, but he, but he doesn't, even though you have both of a black and white Caucasian African-American dynamic with both of those movies, you have Samuel L. Jackson and Josh Brolin dynamic in, uh, in that one in old boy. And then you have um, Denzel and, and Clive Owen and inside man. But it, it's always a, it's never a racist thing. There's never like a racial message in that. It's just, those are the opposing forces of the movie. Yeah. I think, I think as a black man, he doesn't have to always talk about it. He can talk about other things like what he wants. He can do like a, a, just a thriller bank heist movie a lot. Will you allow him to do that? No, 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 no. I'm not saying he can't. I'm glad he does. It's, it's awesome. I love inside man, but I'm just saying it's, you feel like, and I think we're going to see this with the next two movies coming up that we're going to do. Um, it almost feels like, oh, this is his zone. This is where what he enjoys making the most. So when he does come up with something that's not particularly that, it's like, oh, he can do it. He's a very capable of uh, director to do other things. And I think that I think that's really interesting. I'm not disparaging that in the least. 
So we didn't talk about the very end where it's different. It's going around the world. You're having different kids saying, I am Malcolm X. And then you have a, a guy speaking. And I was like, is that really fucking Nelson Mandela? And it was. They flew to South Africa to have Nelson Mandela speak. And I, then I, I wonder that, too. That's awesome. And then apparently he, though, refused to say like what he was. He was quoting a Malcolm X speech and he refused to say the very end of it, which is by any means necessary. And I honestly think it worked out for the better that you then cut to Malcolm X saying by any means necessary. It's because that is like that's the movie. Yeah. It, well, but it's also the most iconic thing he probably ever said. Right. Like he is known for by any means necessary. It's like it is a little bit why people consider him ultraviolet is because of just that line of like whatever it takes um even if that is violence right but i don't know i I think ending it on that is uh, like a perfect note for the movie it's it's very cool i i almost wish we did this before doing do the right thing because it puts so much of that movie into context for me um again not knowing anything about malcolm x uh, from outside of the fresh prince a Bel Air episode that I watched. Um, but, but yeah, no, it, it put a lot of context in context for me. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm the, the miracle of Santa Ana isn't that like, you know, racially heavy, is it? It's about an all black group uh, in the army during world war two, two in Italy fighting the Germans who the Germans had some thoughts on race. So, well, uh, yeah, I mean, next we're doing 25th hour, which I'm excited for. Um, overall, no. like, uh, if you, uh, you know how great Malcolm X is, right? Uh, my only, my only takeaway is hey, a little less Malcolm Little, more Malcolm X. That's what I would have wanted. Less red, more X, you know, but this is, um, uh, this movie is great. And like just seeing Denzel in a performance like this, like, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, you were saying, oh, it doesn't look like exactly like Denzel. And I was like, who could today? And Lakeith Stanfield popped in my head. But I was like, no one, as long as Denzel is alive, will ever try and do this part again. You know, we'll do like there will be people who there was one night in Miami when someone played Malcolm X, who did a great job. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. And so like little parts here and there. But no one's going to play uh, like Malcolm X in a Malcolm X movie because like it's just it was just done perfectly the only other person that would probably feel right to do it after denzel passes away is his son maybe i don't see that by the way it was kingsley benadir who played malcolm x in one night in miami the overall consensus that i have with this movie i mean i i think this is it's it's long right we both agree it's long but it's very well done the buildup, the like last two hours, how it constantly builds on each other. And even if you know Malcolm X's story inside and out, you just want to know kind of what happens next. And I think that's just like a really good um, uh, attribute that a movie, a good movie should have. So no, overall, I really liked it. And I think what Spike Lee did kind of like with he did the uh, and do the right thing is he gives you the option to see many facets of it and not just so like closed on one. So yeah, I, I really like the movie. Thanks for listening to another episode of I finally watched. This is David. 
and this is Alon, and we finally watched Malcolm X.